Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. Oh, welcome in to episode 42 of UAP, the Unidentified Alien Podcast. So excited for today. Stephen Diener right here. Karen Curtis over there. Karen, how are you? I'm well, thank you very much. Good, and I really am. Like, I, I hate to exaggerate, but I really am excited for this today because there's so much going on. It seems like, before we get into our subjects here today, which is going to be high-profile close encounters and abductions, because these stories are really, really something else that we're going to get into. They were but, actually witnessed in many uh, times. Right, yeah. and yeah. we're going to give you the reason why we chose that for today. But before we do... There's really big news in the UAP UFO community that we might actually get some clarity, some truth coming out here soon. Some validation? Oh my gosh, could you imagine? Yeah, well that's why we started the podcast, because we had validation. Right. From the government. Right, no, you're right, the whole genesis of this was... We figured it was okay for Stephen to unveil that he's been like... (laughs) <laughs> squirreling away all this information for years and years but not telling anyone about it because that's he didn't right. want to appear crazy. That's right. Isn't that and it's true that's now, always been the stigma. But now since Congress came out last year, almost a year later, Congress is at it again, which is one of the reasons why we're excited here today to see what's going to come of this. These congressional hearings are going to take place next week, I believe on Monday or Tuesday. But it's it's really something that we could actually get maybe maybe I don't want to get my hopes up. Some clarity, some validation, some vindication through these hearings. The first time in 50 years that Congress is going to have these open hearings and actually ask honest questions to Pentagon officials and all these people and and really talk about this in a serious way on a big stage. Who's testifying? Well, they're going to have some, I know for right now, they're going to have some some officials from the Pentagon who are going to be there and testifying um, about, you know, the... The Nimitz video, which kind of oh, started yeah. the whole push with Tom DeLong and that whole group there, Lou Elizondo and those guys there who do great work and have got us to this point of really trying to have disclosure. It's the closest I felt to actual vindication and disclosure in my lifetime. Wow. So I'm hoping that we get something from these congressional hearings next week. That'll be so exciting. Of course, we'll bring it to you on one of our future episodes. But for now, you're ready for the factoid? I am ready. So we're going to get into the meat of the episode here today. But yes, factoid first, please, Karen. I just, this is so cool in terms of (laughs) what we're able to do. This is what a black hole, get ready, sounds like. Yes. So this is the sonification of Perseus. Not uh, indigestion from my breakfast. It's the sound waves that astronomers previously identified, and then they extracted them and made them audible for the first time. How scary is that? That's unbelievable. So it's like they turned the sound waves into music. Yeah. Which one of our future episodes will be yes. music and sound waves and how they actually could possibly create crop circles, but they, they do create beautiful patterns yes. in like 
stones and stuff. This is unbelievable. I have a feeling, spoiler alert, you're going to be hearing about this again in a future episode because we do have that one stashed away about sound and a lot of good things with, with sound. Um, that's incredible. Isn't it? It's creepy. Yeah. It's it's uh, kind of eye-opening. Otherworldly. It makes you feel like, you know, there really is something out there. Yes. When you hear something like that, and you know that a black hole is essentially creating that sound by the waves that are being so captured. Amazing. It sounds like a haunted house. It did, right? Yes. Very scary. That's wild. All right, well, there you go. <laughs> Man. All right. So I'm getting from. I had chills. I'm like trying to like recover from that. Oh no! There it is again. <laughs> All right. We're gonna we're gonna store that one away again. You might hear that in a future episode. Um, that's amazing, Karen. Thank you. So speaking of getting deep, we have gotten deep over the past couple of weeks. Oh yeah. We've been talking about the meaning of life. Oh and my gosh. Mysteries of the universe and all these good things. The big picture. You know all that good stuff. So we thought, you know what? Why not bring it back down a bit and go over some horrifying abduction and alien encounter stories Yay! instead? <laughs> let's 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 lighten it up a little bit because honestly, Karen, who doesn't love a good old fashioned mutilation? You Absolutely, know? you got to have one of those every few episodes. Good and, Lord. You know, and then we got people here that have been irradiated or something, and they oh, their yeah. body weight dropped in half, and they they some what uh, it sounds like Ebola. We're lightening the mood. Yes. <laughs> So, That's, yeah, right. That's real light stuff. Oh, my gosh. But, yeah, these stories, all kidding aside, are really something else. Um, and just to let you know, it is a two-parter. Yeah. We As we were making this episode, we don't intentionally... If you find two-part episodes annoying, I apologize. I really don't know. I don't know. think so. I don't think you do. I mean, the response has been you know pretty good on, on a lot of these, and we appreciate that. We appreciate all the new listeners who are coming every week. It's yeah. overwhelming, really, Especially to see what, this. Especially, what, California? California has been great to us. The, uh, uh, the UK? Illinois, the UK, Illinois. Um, Florida has been great to us. Australia. It's it's. I mean, to look at the numbers and where we're going internationally around the country. Thank you to everybody who's been listening. It's it's fantastic. So hopefully you enjoy the two part episodes, because again, we don't do that intentionally. It's just that as we kind of go down the rabbit hole here, preparing these things, we realize, wow, this is a lot. We should probably split this up. Yeah. So this is a two part episode. Just a heads up. But the first one that we're going to get into here is about Linda Napolitano. Now. Before we get into her, I want to just let you know, and I think it's important to kind of get the backstory on where this came from today, because we had someone say to us just last week, that, I mean, literally said, hey, you know what? How come all of these crazy stories about encounters and abductions, they always happen in remote areas. No one's around to see it. Yeah, but a previous episode, we had the actual governor of Arizona giving his first hand the Phoenix Lights. Description of the Phoenix. Right. He saw the huge ship over his head. That's right. He's the governor. We he had an episode about undeniable mass sightings. That's right. Which was really one of my favorite ones to do because, it, again, it, it, it kind of, I was trying to take away, in that episode, I was trying to take away the misnomer that this only happens to cow farmers in the middle <laughs> of, you know, <laughs> Iowa or something. And that's what everybody thinks. It yeah. still has that stigma. We had somebody say that to us last week and I was like, you know what? You've inspired me. We are now uh, going to do an episode, again, trying to dispel the stigma of this only happens in, when no one's around to uh, you know to Uncle Fester who's tending to the cows. So that's the nexus of this. Someone actually said to you, why are you doing this podcast? Because only weird morons who live in on cornfields exactly. 
So I, it's talk th- about this. That stigma is still out there. So this episode, actually, this two-part episode, is really the purpose of it is to try to get rid of that misnomer, to get rid of that stigma, and say, hey, guess what? This doesn't just happen in remote areas. It happens <laughs> in the big city. It does, and that's actually, and it happens with many witnesses and with unexplained. Not uh, just Green Acres, but on Park Place. Yeah, cover-ups and all this stuff. So, speaking of big cities, Karen, that's where we're going first with Linda Napoliti- Napolitano. Oh, boy. I can't say her name. That's all right. Let's just call set- her Linda. Okay, we'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll call her Linda from now on. So, let me set the scene for you here. Alrighty. It's a night like any other as Linda sleeps in her high-rise apartment in New York City. Yep. Okay, New York City. Yes. Yeah. yeah. An abduction did allegedly take place in the Big Apple itself. Huh. As she slept, a bright blue beam was seen shining through her window. Again, this is in New York. This isn't an NYPD in some sort of traffic stop? No, no, not a helicopter. And this is, uh, allegedly it took place around 3 in the morning. So you're talking really middle of the night here. But, hey, New York City is the the city that, what, never sleeps, right? right? Oh, yeah. So everybody's around. There's always someone to see something going on. And it wasn't a helicopter and or anything else. And well, here's why. <laughs> the Manhattan transfer abduction. Linda Cortila Napolitano was living in a New York City high rise when she claimed to have been visited and abducted by aliens who whisked her right from an open apartment window in 1989. Napolitano pointed to a nasal surgery of which she had no recollection as proof, offering up a new bump next to her nose as evidence. Her story of abduction was reportedly witnessed by two bodyguards supposedly working a United Nations security detail. In the aftermath of the event, both men allegedly suffered psychotic breakdowns. Despite scrutiny, Napolitano remained adamant about her story, which included being led inside a clam-shaped UFO filled with oddly-shaped metallic furniture. What? <laughs> so the, the UN guards had mental breakdowns. There's a lot, and she had a bump on her nose. There's... What did they put something up her nose to like pick take a piece of her brain? Well, according to her, and there's a lot to unwrap here, so we'll, we'll get to all the details as we go. Oh my God. Um, first off, the taking out the beam of light coming into the apartment. This was seen again by witnesses in the city. People even on the Brooklyn Bridge reported seeing this happen. But they didn't see her in the beam. Well, that's the thing. So you had, and I'll go in order. First, let me get to the the nose, okay? Okay. Getting back to the nose here. That is something that she claims she had an implant in there. We've talked about Dr. Uh, Uh, Roger Lear, and I mean, way back. I'm talking maybe, what was it, maybe within our first seven episodes and he was known as the doctor who would uh take out implants from alien abductees and he would find these things in people i mean in their wrists in their hands under the thumb you know in the arm in the nose and he would uh, he became known as kind of the alien doctor because he would be taking out these implants of people who said they got it from alien abductions and linda was no different here she claimed that they put this i guess medical instrument up her nose that had like this circular thing on the end and they put the circular thing in up in her nasal cavity and whatever that is I don't know but um that's what she claimed and I mean there was proof through you know x-rays and things like that that there was something there so that's why she always kind of fell back on to say no this really happened to me there's something in my nose (laughs) they can remove it they could maybe they did yeah her story, there's there's some different things said, and I know if you're listening, you might be thinking to yourself, why aren't you getting into the whole story about her, about how the bodyguards allegedly kidnapped her? And 
I didn't want to get into the minutia of her entire story. It gets a little dark, and quite frankly, it gets confusing, and it gets very convoluted, and I wasn't even sure how much of the back ends of her story that was made up. It got very, very weird, so if you want to look into the other parts of her story that happened after her alleged abduction, you can do that. But we're not doing that here in this in this episode because I think it was important to focus on an abduction that allegedly took place in a major city that was witnessed by right. a lot of people right. in New York. Yeah. And then she had a hypnotic regression as well. That's right. And she talked about the details and talked about seeing the metallic furniture. And I want to touch on that because I found that interesting, Karen, because remember when we spoke about and this isn't the first time that we're going to talk about this guy's name in, in this two-part series Bob Lazar yes we did a whole, I think we might have done a two-part series on him I'm not sure um, but no it was a whole episode that's right and he talked about seeing hey, if you don't remember Bob Lazar you can go back and listen to the episode but um, he talked about he was a guy who worked in the secrets faction of like Area 51 and worked on these UFOs that were recovered and he was basically hired to reverse engineer the alien technology. And yeah, he's, he explains what he saw. Right. He saw, he saw actual crafts. Crafts and bodies and yeah. all these different things. And But it was, so I found it interesting with her description in 1989 of this strange metallic furniture. Going back to his description, one of the things we spoke about with him, when he said he was working on these crafts in this secret government base, he talked about how everything was like these strange metallic shapes. Right. And, and she said it was a clam-shaped craft. Right, right. And so it kind of... It matches. Yeah. If you go back and you listen to the Bob Lazar episode, you'll realize that her testimony yes. from 1989 matches his claims that weren't really made public yet. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so uh, that stuff like that kind of makes you wonder. That's all. I forget. Is Bob Lazar still alive? He is still alive. That's why yeah. I wanted to get him, see yeah. if we can interview him. It's He's, he's tough to get. He's very tough to get. Yeah. I think he's only done like the Joe Rogan show. Yeah. Well, then we had audio from that. <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. And he, he has said publicly before he hates doing interviews. I know. So he's kind of like a recluse. Um, but anyway, so there's that kind of coincidence, if you want to call it that. I don't know. Maybe matching detail. But then let's look at the U.N. bodyguards there. So it took a while for these two guys who saw this happen from the street to be identified. At first, they, they were thought that they were NYPD officers. Then they said that they were with uh, an organiz- a government organization. Well, I'm assuming her building was near the U.N. building. It was in type of – it was kind of in the Brooklyn area. Oh. Which the UN isn't really in that no. part, but they were supposedly driving. Uh, okay. It came out to be later that uh, the two guys you saw were actually UN officials who were uh, bodyguards and driving the at that time the United Nations Secretary General oh. Javier Perez de QR, and apparently they all three of them were in this you know government car driving towards the UN for or toward the hotel. I don't know. And they saw this happen, and they say that they saw her in the beam. Oh, they did see her. Okay. Yes, because sometimes you don't. People don't see the actual person in the beam. Maybe they've been departiculated. Is that a, a UAP term? It could be. We can make it one. <laughs> but they were the ones. They were kind of like the star witnesses, so to speak. And again, if you dive into her story a little bit more, that's up to you. I didn't want to go into the minutia of her being kidnapped. Well, now supposedly. I want to know. You have to tell me. It's just. It's very weird. It got weird. Who kidnapped her? 
supposedly these guys did. Oh, geez. And they they became like obsessed with her. And I think and that's, that's what's why they went nuts. The mental breakdown. Ah. Right. So the mental breakdown is referring to them essentially becoming obsessed with her got and it. her story. And it, it got very, very strange. Well, you can understand so. that, though. They they saw it. They saw it. That, so that's, they were that's part they of say. it. Yeah. Yeah. They felt personally affected right. by it. They were as, Reportedly, they were that these two guys were never the same. And it's got to be very scary. Yeah. To see that. I mean, could you imagine driving down no. Brooklyn streets and you see this woman in a beam of light going into a craft? Shaped like that, a clam. And that's what these guys say they saw in New York City. That's wild. So, in 1989, is, right? 1989. That's oh. right. I mean, it does. It sounds like something that's, you know, kind of out of a movie, but again, this stuff just doesn't happen in either the cornfields of uh, Nebraska, no. okay? No. So, <laughs> that was that's why we're doing this. But for all those reasons, you know, it's it's considered to be one of the most uh, controversial but important uh, abduction stories on record. Yeah. Wild, isn't it? Very. Especially in New York. I mean, <laughs> so heavily populated. Right. Yeah. But onward we go. And as you may know, Karen, there are numerous stories, numerous, involving the U.S. military and alien encounters. And until now, they've been told to shut up. Yeah, we you ain't kidding. And I mean, if we've covered a handful of them. Yes. And in a lot of our previous episodes, we've talked about, you know, Operation High Jump. Ooh, that's one of our, be- our more listened to episodes. To this day, and that goes back to like episode three. So yeah. feel free anytime you want, 850WFTL.com. You go to the podcast section. All of our episodes are there. You'll see UAP. No, you send them to the platforms. It's, we're on Spotify. The, yeah, we're on Apple iTunes. Whatever everywhere. You. you don't have to go to 850WFTL.com. Whatever works. Preferably Apple or Spotify. There you go. Because, <laughs> you know, they, it's, it's a little bit more streamlined for you. You can they're put it right there. on your phone, your computer, whatever you want to do. But they're all there. So you can look back at some of these episodes like Operation High Jump, like when we've talked about Roswell or the Dulce Base Wars, which was oh, another huge was a big one. one. Rundlesham Forest. We've talked about that in England to our English UK listeners or any other number of stories where UFOs have showed up at test sites. Yeah. Bases. Shut, shut down missiles. Maelstrom Air Force Base. We've talked about that. So, <laughs> so there's crazy. a lot that's happened, and there always seems to be some type of connection to aliens and the U.S. military. Well, remember, we did the episode where we were talking about Shirley MacLaine said that the aliens come back to Earth when we threaten nuclear yeah. holocaust, and they just want to make sure we don't kill ourselves and yeah. blow up the planet, or destroy the universe well which apparently we have the power to do maybe and, and to that point we're so dumb you know and think what you want about shirley mclean i know some people think she's a loon oh, no, i no. have an open mind oh you have to have an open I mind. have an open mind she's not the only one who says that that's why they do come and and why exactly. ships are seen around our nuclear arsenals because they just want to make sure that we don't screw up and blow everything up and that was part of the reason why we did our not to like keep plugging past episodes but oh, well. a lot of this comes back a lot of it ties in and when we did our episode about, are we the aliens? You yeah. know, is it us traveling from the future to say, hey, morons, yeah. don't do this because, you know, X, Y, and Z is going to happen. Yeah. It's so, us it's coming all, back to tell us to stop it. It could be. It's all theories. But to that point, Karen, we've, you know, we, we, we talked about all those different things and, you know, maybe trying to stop nuclear war. And that's kind of where this next story takes us. Yes. And we wanted to cover, this is one of two, just just a heads up, because, you know, like, like we said, it's a two-part series here about, you know, these high-profile abduction cases that aren't really publicized. Um, this is one of two stories that involve the military in particular. And they have high-level witnesses and supposed cover-ups, by the way. Oh, yeah. They're, they're startling. Um, they're a little disturbing. But... 
that's what we have coming up here is that they involve the military, both of these stories. One that we're going to finish off with here today and then in part two is uh, really quite a doozy. So let's go ahead and jump right in to our first encounter because, again, going back to the nuclear type stuff and wars and things like that, this one dates back 70 years to the Korean War. Yeah, my ex-husband's father served in the Korean War. Is that right? He said it was really cold and mountainous and awful. And it's 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 so important to remember those veterans because the Korean is. War is considered like the forgotten war. Like broke his back and oh you know, those my guys, god, it was they, awful. They went through hell. They did. It's important to remember that one. Now it was this this happened in May 1951. This particular story here, which is one year into the Korean War, and there was a man named Private First Class Francis P. Wall. Okay. Wanted to get his name specifically in here because... You're going to hear about it. Yeah. His regiment found themselves stationed about 60 miles north of Seoul. So that's where this story takes place about seven years ago, north of Seoul. It's important to keep a couple things in mind here, okay? Number one, the time frame, because it's the early 50s. So remember, that means it's only a few years after the crash at Roswell. Right. So Which was... First, yes, they published it was a UFO, and then, oh no, we covered it up. It's and the weather it's balloon. A weather balloon. <laughs> so at that point, so that's how sticky it was. Right, exactly. I mean, secrecy involving UFOs is at an all-time high at that point. So it's also important to note everything that you're about to hear came directly from Private First Class Francis P. Wall. This is from a 1987 interview. We did a tele uh, interview with UFO researchers who were trying to get to the bottom. Of this story, because before he came out about it in 1987, this story was really just thing of myth. It was hearsay. Yeah. Well, because back then in the military, they didn't want to document what happened. Right. They, exactly. They, they intentionally didn't document it. Exactly. So well. here is, it's very upsetting. And uh, there's a, a major attack that they were preparing for. Yeah, they were, they were closing in on Korean forces here. They're setting the North up for Korean me. forces. Right, exactly. And there's, so the, the military, U.S. military is setting up. They, they, they've kind of um, came in like a pincer movement to North Korean forces, and they're trying to drive them out, and they're setting up for this major attack. And that's when, uh, well, things start to kind of go wrong. The thunderous booms echo across the hills as a dozen guns open up one by one and deliver death to the enemy. Suddenly, though, Private Wall and other men responsible for providing security for the artillery see something in the hills above the village. It seems that the bombardment has attracted the attention of something none of the men will ever be able to explain. The light is dim at first, but quickly grows in brightness as it moves down the jungle hill. To the Americans, it appears like a floating jack-o'-lantern, emitting some kind of light from its body that is at first orange in color. To their shock, the light moves just over the village, even as the American artillery continues to pour fire into it. So here come the UFOs, Karen. Oh my God. Oh my gosh. Little did the U.S. forces know what they were up against, though, because as they started to fire upon the craft... Oh gosh. The uh, air-bursting shells detonate all around it, and then the light does something incredible. In a move that defies all known physics, the light is able to rapidly move to the side of an exploding shell, avoiding being directly hit by the rounds. Even avoiding a direct hit, the object, which by now the men know must be some sort of craft, must have some sort of protective shielding, as it's still being showered by frag from the exploding artillery shells. Even if it is receiving any damage, though, the Americans on the ground are unable to tell, and simply watch in awe for almost an hour as the craft weathers the bombardment of the village. I that's, mean, that's a long time. It is an hour. Imagine going through that, and you hear about force fields, all these things. I mean, it sounds like something out of the movie Independence Day. And you it's know? like bobbing and weaving, like Muhammad right. Ali. Woo, woo. I mean, it's 
It's floating like a butterfly, stinging like a bee. And this again, this is in 19, before Muhammad Ali, this is in 1951. <laughs> the They're like, what is that? So who could have that type of technology? Uh, I mean, we're actually talking about U.S. armed forces engaging with a UFO and not being able to penetrate it because of some type of force field. And, wow. you know, of course, the first thought goes to, and this is what many skeptics thought about the story when they first started to hear about it from the forces was, well, it must be some type of secret Russian technology. Right. Because, again, oh, going... Of course it is. It must be, right? Because going back, again, to the, the theory that aliens intervene when we're getting a little bit too close to self-destruction, this was essentially the beginning of the Cold War because as the Korean War started, there were a lot of fears that this was going to be the beginning of World War III. World War II had just ended right. like five or six years prior. And now, you know, you're starting to – we have the atomic bomb. Russia's developing it. And now everybody's thinking, are we about to blow ourselves up here? And so maybe that's why the aliens are interfering because they're like, hey, you guys have these weapons now. we got to make sure – that uh, you're not going to use these things. And that could be explained and in every other scenario that's happened with the military that we've spoken about, too. Yeah. it's But so, of course, the, the skeptics started saying, well, this must be Russian technology that they got after World War II from, you know, uh, the, the projects that the Nazis were working on. Because we know, and we've talked about before, Karen, that the Nazis were working on some secret technology of their own, um, you know, the Nazi bell and we've things like that. We've talked about that. So, this, you know, the theories were, well, maybe this is the Russians, but it wasn't because we came to later find out that the Russians were experiencing sightings as well. Oh, yeah. And things like this. So, as they continued to fire upon the craft, they noticed something very ominous. Not only was it not the Russians, but it was starting to come right toward them. Oh, my gosh. Suddenly, the craft goes wild. The lights begin flickering on and off erratically, and the craft makes crazy sporadic movements from side to side. At one point, though, the craft remains floating in the air above the GIs. The lights go completely off, but then mm -hmm. seems to flicker back to life. The Americans on the ground worry that the craft is going to either explode or come crashing down on their heads. The U.S. forces continued, I guess, to attack the craft. They thought they were making headway, but then the aliens pulled a 180. Then, the craft seems to regain its stability, and suddenly the mountain valley is filled with the unbearable sound of what seemed to be dozens of diesel train locomotives starting up all at once. The craft begins pulsing bluish light and attacks the soldiers below. As the men watch helplessly, the craft sweeps a ray across the battlefield below it. The brightly colored ray seems to come in pulses that the men can only see when it sweeps directly over them. Like car headlights or a searchlight in the dark, the craft sweeps this ray across the ground below it, seeking out soldiers where they lay in their fighting positions. As it sweeps over each man, they're racked with a burning, tingling sensation all over their flesh. The company commander immediately shouts for his men to take shelter from their bunkers. Small dugouts reinforced with plywood and sandbags. The bunkers offer protection for their men from the artillery bombardments, and the soldiers dive below the ground to take shelter from the mysterious ray. All right, so a lot to unpack here. First off, they did think that they were making some headway, like you said, Karen, because they noticed some bullet holes actually going into the side of the craft, and that's right. when you know you started to see it coming down toward them. It was kind of going on and off, but then it did recover, and that's when it that's started. That's weird, right? They yeah. recovered. It is amazing. It was almost like the Terminator guy. Right. <laughs> when you shoot him and he... Comes and back. Like, it's an interesting point, though. I mean, right? what kind of technology did they have that maybe... Was there some type of, like... Uh, material regenerating technology right. that they had? Well, 
You know, lizards can regrow their tail. Interesting. Maybe were these the reptilians? I don't know. So, but it's it's a good point because again, this is technology that nobody had ever seen before, and they were up against it seventy years ago. The bobbing and the weaving, moving in and out, getting away from the shells, force field, nothing can penetrate it until they you know started using those armor piercing rounds. So it's just incredible to think that that's what they were going through. Seven years ago, and you hear these same type of reports about, you know, instantaneous acceleration and all these different things now. And it hasn't changed. Well, they, but all this was done in Star Trek. You put it with the force field or what is yeah. it? The, the shields? Yeah, these and shields. Then, and then in uh, Star Wars, they go, what's that called? Lights, you Lights, go uh, warp speed. Warp and speed. Yeah. yeah. So we knew about this. We, we somehow they... People that actually in Hollywood know about this. They always put the stuff in movies. Yeah, they do. Independence Day. Yeah, so you know? we think of it as just, oh, well, that's just Science fiction. fiction yeah. yeah, science fiction. But no, it happened in the 50s. According to this story, again, this is all coming from Private First Class Francis P. Wall. This was his account, of course, told through different mediums, us and the and the, uh, the videos that you're hearing and everything is being retold. But this these are his details. And could you imagine the sound? I mean, what is that sound they're talking know. about? Oh, maybe it was a black hole. Oh, no. It could have been a black hole. Oh, <laughs> my gosh. Was the UFO. There it is. Uh, was it harnessing the power oh my gosh, so of weird. the black hole? That is so creepy. I can't believe it sounds like that. So scary. So they're hiding in this bunker. This blue light is going over them. And I want you to remember, too, what they said about feeling the burning, tingling sensation. Yes. It's really important to remember as we when get into the, the blue final. blue light came right. over them, even though they were in their... In their bunker, right? Which yes. under plywood, they actually went underground. It was still affecting them. They, they could see it. They could feel it a little bit. So, I mean, just imagine this. As they hit in their bunker, they watched as the crafts, again, according to Private First Class Wall, they saw it shoot out this this brilliant light as if the night just turned into day. Right. And they stayed hidden until the UFO sped off at what Wall described as impossible speed. How many uh, times have we heard that before? Yeah. Right? <laughs> As the night wore on, and space balls. Yeah, right. There you go. Ridiculous speed. <laughs> Ridiculous, ludicrous speed. Ludicrous speed. <laughs> <laughs> it all comes from somewhere. That's right. So the night wears on. They're down in their bunker. They and they finally decide to come out of hiding and they debrief with their commander. Now, not surprisingly, for the time and even in days like like now, they still do this. They thought the nightmare was over, so they decided to keep it all to themselves oh, yeah. because they didn't want to think that they were crazy. While each day the company is expected to file a report on its activities for the day, the company commander agrees it's best to leave this one off the books for now, mm. for fear that they'll all be thought of as crazy. Yeah, see, and that's the stigma, Karen. Yep. That's it. That's what we've talked about. I mean, I even felt it myself. We talked about, you know, I never really brought this stuff up because I didn't want people to think it was some type of crazy person. Well, you know? half the room thought you were, you know, that you were crazy. Yes, people I still fortunately think I didn't. And Thank said, you. I came to you and said, you did. I think we need to do a podcast. You did. If it wasn't. And then people laughed at us. They did. That's they right. laughed at us. Who's laughing now? That's right, baby. <laughs> but no, so thank you to everybody who's been listening because it's, it's your response that has made this You're show what it is. validating us. Yeah, exactly. And now Congress is validating us Man, after wait. the Pentagon validated it. Can't wait. So, so it's, good. But yeah, this, this show has really, no pun intended, taken off. <laughs> At impossible speeds. <laughs> warp speed. But it's all thanks to everybody who's Thank been listening you. because I'm, I'm glad that you're out there with us. Globally. You're, or you're, possibly intergalactically. Maybe. Do they have podcasts in space? I don't sure know. Sure they do. I'm just glad that- Black holes make sound. Yeah, well, 
I'm just glad that people have an open mind to all this. You well, know, we leave it up to, to you, it. dear listener. And that's it. Exactly. That's always been our mission from day one. I'm glad you said that, Karen. That's been our mission from day one is to present you with the story and leave it up to you. Yeah. Is it BS? Yeah. Is it is it plausible? Are there some things you believe or don't believe? Maybe there's a little bit of both. But it's up to you. We're, We're not trying coming to shove here. it down your throat. No. This, this is the story. Private First Class Walls giving this account. You know, people witnessed the, the abduction there in New York. That's their account. We leave it up to you, but these are the stories. These are the details. So we, we were not making any of it up. Uh, we promise. Now, how did this all end for the soldiers and Private First Class Wall? Well, unfortunately for them, not well. A few days later, the men of the 25th Infantry Division, 27th Regiment, 2nd Battalion, Easy Company, start to fall ill. They're uh. nauseous. They have terrible headaches and diarrhea. So many of them are affected at once that the army has to cut a road through the jungle to send ambulances and evacuate many of them. When doctors examine them, they find the men have extremely high counts of white blood cells and seem to be suffering from dysentery. After the war, Private Wall would struggle with PTSD and drop from 180 pounds to 136. The weight loss would be permanent, and the Private would struggle all his life with weight issues as he struggled to recover to his normal weight. An official explanation for the event was never given. Okay, so I want that weight loss plan because yeah, that really. sounds really effective. Let me get that Blu-ray, aliens. Let's get that Blu-ray in <laughs> Holy here. Holy moly. You <laughs> lost all that weight and it never came back? My gosh, that's unbelievable. That's unbelievable. And and the reason why I said to remember... We could do alien weight loss There you go. Plans. It's a program. We'll have an infomercial. But remember the reason why I said... I mean, not to joke around about the guy. I'm sure oh, it must I'm have been so terrible sorry. for him. Yeah, it had to be bad. Um, but the reason why I said to remember about the radiation... Or not the radiation, but how they felt that... The light, the burning, the tingling sensation. Yeah. Well, radiation. It's probably. radiation poisoning. Yeah. yeah. And so when you talk about the uh, dysentery and all these different things that they had afterward, it really does kind of come back to this blue light. You would think that's my assumption about radiation poisoning that caused all this. I think also doesn't the radiation destroy the bone marrow blood cells and that would cause the white blood cells to Yeah. Yeah. So, populate. I mean, it, it does kind of match when you think about, man, these guys... You hear about that burning sensation, and we've heard that in other stories, too. We haven't covered every single alien encounter here, but there are other ones I've uh, heard about where people have experienced that same burning sensation, and it ends up being radiation poisoning. So that's my assumption, just based off of my experience and and kind of delving into these these stories and these accounts. That's what they got, and that's what Private First Wall, uh, First Class, well, uh, kind of experience there was radiation poisoning that caused the, the, dysen- the dysentery, the diarrhea, the weight issues. Oh, please don't go into the whole that's, well, that's, litany of some listen, symptoms. That's, that's what happened to them. <laughs> this is scientific, Karen. This is the genesis, maybe, of alien military involvement and their interest in our kind of uh, you know, weapons of mass destruction capability. Seems like they would have been around when we dropped the big one on... Nagasaki and it got their Hiroshima. That must have gotten there. They're like, what are the humans doing on Earth again? Right? I mean, What I don't is know. going on now? You would think, and then all of a sudden they start showing up with, with Roswell, then they're there in the Korean War. And this could be, this is this like the first, one of the first major events that a lot of people don't talk about and don't know about, which is why we wanted to bring it up today. So, so I, it, I, I, I mean, don't this know. has not just been around from no. the Korean War. Oh, it's I been, mean, we've talked about plenty about ancient Egypt and things like that. Thousands of years ago. Well, believe it or not, that was the more tame of the two military stories. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so the next one we're going to get to next week, Karen, uh, I'm going to give it a warning right uh, now. Okay. okay. It does get quite graphic. Oh, dear. 
and it's considered to be one of the most mysterious and questioned cases of all time to this day. Wow. And it does involve the military. Oh. So we kind of had the start there of maybe, maybe the start of military, alien involvement in the military with this Korean War case that, again, is not highly publicized, but has been firsthand account by a private wall there. No, but you had the, um, the Fugees? Not oh, the, the uh, Foo Fighters. Foo Fighters. Two yeah. different bands, two different <laughs> music groups. And the in World War II, the Foo Fighters were that's right. aliens. Yes. Right? So that's that's something that's, yeah, the World War II pilots did start seeing. So it's you're been, right. Yeah. It's, it was it was going on. But yeah. this this one here it was really type, kind of like your first. Well, when they shot back. Right. right. This, this might have been, and I don't know this for a fact, but it seems to me that this might have been the first major involvement. Encounter. Exactly. Right. Exactly. But and then again- Operation High Jump. So maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> I'm telling you, go back. Episode three, Operation High Jump is wild. There's just so much. That did take place before 1951, Operation High Jump in uh, Antarctica. So, man, they have been kind of meddling for a while, haven't they? Yes, they have. And there's going to be more next week. It doesn't just happen in the cornfields of Nebraska. That's right. Because next week we're going to, again, another military story, this time in New Mexico, when we go over uh, another wild abduction case. And much more to come in part two of these high-profile cases that really don't get a lot of mention. And they kind of take away the stigma of, uh, oh, this only happens to cow farmers. Please. That's what we're here for. It's all going to come up next time on UAP, the Unidentified Alien Podcast. It's Karen Curtis there. It's Stephen Diener here. Don't forget to download and subscribe to the podcast. Apple, Spotify, wherever you get it, 850WFTL.com. You can check us out there as well. We always have something going on on our blog page. And, well, we'll talk to you again next time. Be safe.